The Recap Book Chat duo is here. Time to get our brain cells in gear. And as Betty Smith said, the world is yours for the reading. And welcome to the Recap Book Chat. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are so glad you stopped by. We just finished a really good historical fiction novel called Things We Didn't Say by Amy Lynn Green. And that, that was, name might, might sound familiar because she wrote the, the Blackout Book Club. Yes. Um, this was published in 2020. This was her first book, right? Oh, her I didn't debut. Have that down. Yes, it was. I think this was her debut novel. And I got to be honest with you that it was when I first. So the whole thing is written in letter form. And, and what do they call that? That's a different Ep- style. Epistolary. Epistolary style instead of the narrative, which we're used to. Like, and you so, know, Paul's epistles in the Bible. Epistle means a letter. Yes. Isn't that cool? It is cool. And, and I'm nosy, I, I, so I loved it. The first time I, I said, oh, it's like reading someone's mail. <laughs> so, and I guess for me, it's just, it was out of my comfort zone a little because, you know, I thought it was going to be like a couple of letters up front and then you get to the story, you know, how sometimes it sets you up. Mm-hmm. And so I'm reading the letters and then I'm like, oh, it's all in letters. Yeah. And I was trying to figure out why that kind of bothered me. Um And I think, like I said, it was just out of my comfort zone because most of the books are written to the reader. So this one, you're like a third will. It's not written to you, you know, at all. And you know how sometimes in the narrative style, you know what's going on and even the characters don't know. But right. But you're doing this. The characters know. And you're kind of like an afterthought like you. (laughs) They know what's going on and you're trying to figure it out. But. I loved it. So it just took me a little while to get used to reading letters instead of the instead of the narrative style where it's more laid out for you. I feel like this yeah, one is more you're the investigator. So and you're kind of but, like putting the puzzle pieces together and you like puzzles. So, yes, this no, I this I, I'm first... just telling you my first impression yeah. was like, oh, no, but yeah. I loved it. So I'm just letting I'm letting you know. Uh, dear listeners don't don't (laughs) don't stop yeah if if you're not used to that it's just a different style can sometimes make you feel like i don't know this is different but it was i loved it it was so good there is a children's book called dear mr henshaw by beverly clary which is all letters and i so this wasn't my first one to have read that was all letters and okay uh, and that one won a newberry award and it was totally out of beverly clary's comfort zone because it's a little, but it's different. It's not as, it's quite, it's not as intriguing as this one. Cause it is a little boy writing to an author named dear Mr. Henshaw. And you're reading the whole book. Will Mr. Henshaw ever write back? Cause it's all one-sided, you know, Oh, it's really good, but. Well, I do like that hers was not all one-sided. Like you get, a, you learn every character through letters. And I thought at the end of it, I'm like, you know, it's really interesting because you don't really get a description of the characters like you would in a normal narrative style. They kind of like go through oh, and give you this so full description. True. Yeah. And I love and that. Cause like it was, you were, you find out how Peter is the, her friend that she writes to and you, and you find out that he's Japanese and that 
he he is 26 but you have to piece that together in different letters because and she she crafts it so well i mean oh uh, she's a genius amy lynn green so and, and this is one of those books where the main character joanna berglund goes by joe because she is a reader and um i mean deep she is a deep reader which is totally different than her the blackout book club because that girl didn't like to read yes so let's set the setting though this is world war ii this is historical fiction so it's world war ii but it's set in america in minnesota which is actually where amy lynn green lives yes kind of cool and so i learned that during this time uh german prisoners were brought to america to help harvest and plant the crops because the, the their sons were off fighting in the war uh Totally blew me away. I knew about the Japanese in what did they call those internment encampments or yes, yeah, like the American that. Japanese. I had no idea about P- German POWs living in America either. I had no no clue that happened because it feels like that would be a lot. Like why not just put them in a, uh, an encampment in Europe? You know, it, it seems kind of risky to me. Yeah, you know. But um, here we are, and Joe is at college, and she has a donor who's anonymous and uh, they, this guy, Major Davies writes her and says, would you, you know, come and be a translator? Cause she knows like five languages. We need a translator and we need a censor. And would you come to this camp in your hometown? And uh, she says, I love her. She said, when offered the translator job, Joe said to file it between never and not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's funny, but she's she's very witty, but very blunt. We kind of thought she might even possibly be on the spectrum because she does have some social, she's not good with social graces, you know, Yeah, but extremely funny and witty, but very blunt. Well, Peter said, you can be as subtle as a lawnmower, Mm -hmm. a power lawnmower. And and at one one time, her, her dad's the mayor of Ironside. And uh, he he was reelected, and her mother is just has all the social graces that Joe does not have. She has them all. And so when they go around and he is reelected, thanking everybody, she decided she better stay in because it takes all of her social graces just to deal day to day with people. You know, she's <laughs> like, it's so funny. But my favorite character probably was Peter. Peter's a great character because I noticed when I was writing down quotes. Like, this is my first quote. God never promised us an easy path. Peter said that. The -hmm. past is never in the past, but we have to have the courage to move beyond it. Peter said that. But the past is never in the past. Isn't that powerful? That's very powerful. Because we take our past with us. You carry it with you. And it it kind of shapes in certain ways, yes, who you are. And then another one, our feeling can lie... our feelings can lie sometimes. It's up to us to show, to shout truth back at them whenever we can. So feelings, you can't trust feelings, you know. That's true. And it, I like that they, sh- they show that struggle. I like that they show, because Peter's a Japanese American and he's, uh, and he's learned, like helping teach other people to learn Japanese, to be translators overseas and different stuff like that. And, but it talks about his struggle with, you know, because he is Japanese, his ethnicity, like, you know, and at that time, everyone's so afraid 
of Japanese and there's a lot of prejudice. And so there's, there's a big struggle with him. And I like how they don't ignore that, you know? No, she, and, and, but she did, you know, he challenges her to do their best do do your best job because she said at one time I'm just going to go do because they kind of force her hand to go because she said no but then somehow her mysterious donor pulls support so she can't stay in college so she's forced to go back to Ironside and then dig up some skeletons in her closet which she had uh, the pastor's kids he had a Eric and Anita was that her name mm-hmm. uh, were her lifelong friends and. Eric had uh, proposed to her at one time before he went to war and that didn't go well. Of course, she wasn't expecting that. So she had, uh, I, I like annihilated herself from her whole town. Instead of g- working through that, she just mm-hmm. left. But now she's forced to go back. And Peter says, do the best you can. And he yes. quotes his grandma. Cause his, I think his grandma said something about, um, I I, know, I had that down, but I, I, it's like, you don't have control over what happens to you, but you have control over how you react to that and how you deal yes. with that. And, you know, it was just, and so then you have, she came back at him saying he did not really try to get a relationship with the people and, and see, did you know about, okay, the Japanese had their thing and then other people were uh, in that camp as well. Did you get that? And are you then, talking about the are you talking about the Camp Savage? Yeah. The one that uh Peter's teaching at. Yeah. Yes. And so and she does, she's a good friend. She points out that he's prejudiced. kind of being prejudiced against the Caucasians that are in his class because they're different and he doesn't know how to relate to them per se. Like they're in a different group. And they were they were automatically given officers. Or something like uh, bestowed the whatever privilege of being the gold officers. bars, yeah, yeah, because and, it, not because of skill. Yes, and so that that causes division, and you can see that. But I do like how he's he's working that out, and she helps him work some of that out, and come to find out, they they feel awkward about that too. They yeah. didn't want that, you know. And it's weird that the one guy, and they had a name for those people. They were a certain type, and it starts with an H. But uh, anyway, it made me think of Jonah's book that he loved, Baseball Saved Us, because Mm -hmm. one of um, Joe's goals was to let the POWs write letters for the newspaper. And in there, one of them, one of the German prisoners talked about football. So Peter took that and they started playing baseball. And that's what Jonah's book is about. That picture book is so powerful about how baseball saved them. Because you got to think, you're sitting there for endless hours, Yes. And then that baseball kind of brought them together. And, and then Peter finds out that, you know, he, he did tell her at one time that uh, because just like all of us, we are drawn to what is most familiar to us. So, you know, you have to get outside your comfort zone if you want to do something different. So. And so Peter's whole family is in one of those camps. But he he was able to not go to that by doing the he's being a teacher. Yes, so, and he's which, very smart. Here's a factoid for you because after this, I was looking up you know what's what's the fact, what's the fiction type stuff, and the I was looking up the actual um, Japanese American in that 
kind of in his position and everything like that. And I, I come to find out there's one guy, his name was like Frank something. I can't pronounce his last name. Um, but his family was in Texas and they said, if you were in Texas, you didn't go to one of those camps. The Japanese American in Texas did not have to go to that. There was a really? certain, well, that makes yeah. me feel good about Texas. I know. I was like, well, that's interesting. So, well, who raw for Texas? That's good. Yeah. Well, I know uh, in one part of the book, one of the prisoners asked her if she could get some beer for the prisoners because he said he heard that they do that in Texas. And she said, well, in Texas, they do things that aren't even legal. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So they didn't have that didn't happen in Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah. Another, I have one more Peter quote here. Don't hold on so tightly to one idea of what you want that you don't let God push you in another direction. Mm, That's good. I mean, he he has wisdom, you know, but she has humor. She's funny, but man. He he definitely helps her so much because he's her sounding board and she takes all of her problems to Peter through letters and, um, and he helps her kind of deal with different things and kind of nudge her in certain directions because even her best friend, childhood friend, like you said, Anita, who lost her brother in the war. So there's tension. There's, there, there's so many unresolved issues and stuff like that. And he's always trying to push her to kind of do the right thing. And this is through the letters. If you go back, this is what I really like about the letters. When she starts out the book, the book starts out, she just signs her letters, Joe. And Peter signs it, your friend. And Olive, her roommate from college, from um, Britain, she signs it, all my best. And most everybody has a sign, you know, they, they end it with something. Peter always says, your friend. But she gets where she starts doing that. And at one time, when he's talking about meeting a Hawaiian guy and taking ukulele lessons and all this, she signs it, uh, aloha, Joe. And I said, so she's kind of becoming a little... Uh, she's evolving. Well, that's interesting that you pull that out. I didn't even notice how she was ending her letters. Yeah. I mean, sometimes she just says Joe and then, you know, and, and there's a, there's a realness in there in the letters that she has to censor. So we are privy to those. And you, you see that this one guy, Otto, he's so, such a great, uh, character and he's a very minor character but he gets a band together and he directs it and and you can tell he has a wife and daughter and he does he said war is a terrible thing but let's not uh let's not tell you know, I don't want my daughter to know this so he writes a story for her you know in the letter going home so you get yes. you get their inside emotions and feelings and you you discover that Dieter uh is a dejected, I mean, he is a suitor. He's after this girl and she decides she's going to marry a banker. So I guess that's called a Dear John letter. Yes. And uh, that's very sad. But Otto is happy. But and- you're, you're right that the, even the, the German POWs, you get to see the differences in them and how they're handling their, you know, like you said, Otto was just a, a really good guy, like who was kind of forced to be, you know, he didn't want any part of war before, you know, and he doesn't really want one now. No, and then one of them just talked about football the whole time. I mean, it's like he wasn't even in a war, you know. But I will say, though, I, one of the things I would say a, a takeaway from this is that because so she is censoring. She has to read all their letters and translate them into English and then censor them. 
for any, you know, information that they're not supposed to pass. But she oversteps her boundaries. She she should have kept it right there. But at one point, she writes the dad of one of, of the captain of a German man. And I'm like, and I felt when it, I was like, she's no, writing the dad? I was like, this, this is a big no-no. So, and that gets her in serious trouble later with there's consequences from that. Not the fact that she wrote him, but it, it starts a whole ball of... Uh, she opened a can of worms. Okay, oh, yes, yeah. a whole can of worms. As my so. idioms continue. But, uh, and another thing, uh, yeah, Stefan, he is, um, he is rejected by his father because he's in a camp. He's not dying bravely on the battlefield. So his dad totally rejects him. And so uh, you know how you don't ever have to worry what some people are thinking. They give you a piece of their mind. Well, she's like that. So she writes his dad. Yeah, that's, you, you, there's a couple of times when she yeah. made a choice that um and she says that you know but she's also wrestling with when the pastor's son uh proposed and she did not uh refute his proposal well she laughed you know and she's just like you know he's just trying to get out of going to the war and kind of very bumbling way she did that and i think right then she was she prayed that god would bring him back so she could fix that because not that she wanted to marry him but she's she knew she did that wrongly and yes. and he gets killed so she feels like god ignored her so uh she had actually made a promise to god if eric comes back then i'll go back to ironside and i'll straighten everything out well he didn't this is what's in her mind god didn't keep his promise to take care of eric so why should she have to keep her into the bargain so she's, mm-hmm. but through Peter, not preachy, he's not preachy at all, but he's totally committed to God. Yes. And you see that in his letters and eventually she comes around. And I think that that, um, that is, that's a powerful read. It, it's just so powerful. Well, and then also on that same line, you, you get to see uh, the pastor, like he's a very strong character too. Oh yeah. Um, and he's not forceful at all, but he, I mean, he's lost a wife and he's lost a son. And then the, the girl that rejected his son is back in town. And, but he, he's very forgiving. Oh, and the, and so, and the other thing too, these POWs, they were captured, I think in a part of Africa where his son was at. So he's like, one of these guys could have killed Eric, you know, and these are the POWs that, that are in his hometown. And, and they're requesting to ha- be able to attend religious services. And so, and it's up to him. He gets to decide if these POWs can come to his church or not. And he does. He lets them. And I'm just like, wow. And I yes. think that helps change a lot of people because they understood this is a big, he's walking out his faith, you mm-hmm. know, and it wasn't it easy for him. No, but I thought that was a good point. You know, I think that helped her too. She's, and, and then the newspaper guy who oh, he hadn't he's gone to church. Since his, he's a piece of yeah. work. Yeah. Brady McHenry. And he got the town newspaper just because his dad passed away and it was a failing newspaper. And so he's a sensationalist. He wants to use everything and spin it to get circulation up. But he's, which he does. Yeah, he does. But man, and there was one part in it when uh, he quotes, uh, he, she mentions, oh, I love Amy Lynn Grain mentioning all these classics in the, she mentioned Beowulf, Notre Dame, Meet Me in St. Louis, 
Ham Hamlet, uh, Les Miserables, Count of Monte Cristo, and uh, Les Miserables uh, in that, because that was the book that Brady McHenry had um, mentioned, he quoted from it. Uh, I think it's by- I Vic think it's Les, Les Miserables. Okay. What? Yeah, yeah. Les Miserables. It's French. So yeah. there we go. Thank you. By Victor Hugo. Uh, she thought she was impressed and she wrote him a letter and saying, well, I'm so- you know, I'm impressed. And then he wrote her back saying, well, you're not the only one in town who's read a classic, you know, <laughs> don't expect me to put a book of the month club in the paper. <laughs> so, I mean, he's pretty curt. And I was really wondering about, uh, and he mentions uh, Les Miserables again. And he said he knew that she wouldn't be revengeful because anyone that that's your favorite book, uh, you couldn't be revengeful. So I had to look up what is that book about? And it really is a lot like Count of Monte Cristo. Someone is put in prison for stealing some bread to feed their family. And he stays wow. in prison and he's trying to escape because it's his sister and her kids. They're starving oh, and he stole some bread. They caught him. They put him in for three years. He tried to escape. They did five years and ended up being like 17 years or something. Wow. And, and when he gets out, he had some money that he earned in prison, but nobody wants him in the restaurant. So he can't, this is a children's version of it, you know, third grade, but, uh, and there, he's just trying to survive and he can't get any food. So he collapses and like this priest finds him and he has this inner battle that we all have. And he sees that the priest fed him on silver plates. So the next morning he's gone. And so are the silver plates and he's captured at the border of the country and, uh, brought back to the, priest and the priest said oh i gave him those he forgot the candlestick and the priest uh had had a maid which i think uh, you know she's like what you know she had told on him he said i've been wondering how i could help the poor and god showed me how prideful it was for me to have silver plates to show off things when i could be helping the poor mm. and so it, it and it turned him around but that's it, it doesn't that kind of mirror the count of monte cristo getting put in yeah. prison and stuff like that so we need to add that to our list because i've heard of it you know that's one that uh, that's a classic i've heard of i've never read it though well that's what mark twain says classics are books people talk about and never read so <laughs> false mark twain we we have read, read a lot few. of classics yeah. yeah in your face mark twain yeah we have to tell him that but they talk about and also another thing i did was uh I looked up, it's funny how a book can cause you to, like you looked up something. I looked up uh, the composer, the German composer, Wagner, because they oh, talked yeah. about the ride or the flight of the Valkyries or whatever, if I'm saying that. Man, that's like Star Wars music. It is very powerful. And for some reason, he's outlawed in the camp. They can't play that. But Because I see he's why. German. Well, but wasn't some of the others like Bach or... Mozart some of those guys were but I guess this but this music is very stirring people said they had it as their workout music people said man that makes you want to get up and fight and so I, I mean it's very it is like the Star Wars battle scene music we'll have to put a link to that in our show notes yeah well you've you, so you, you have to listen figure to out it. how to do that but anyway one quote from the pastor that I had well, I had to, he said, we must be as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves because uh, sometimes Joe is not wise. She acts on her feelings and her emotions. 
and even aka the letter that she shouldn't have said <laughs> yeah and also she is very trusting of she's in the prisoner uh and she's in their camp and she really doesn't that stefan because he speaks english she talks with him pretty freely and i think it was um peter and olive both said don't let your guard down he's a prisoner mm -hmm. you know yeah and and another time because uh, the book tells you she's being tried for treason on the first page yes so, so you know that's what's going to happen and, and you're just he, trying to figure out how does that happen yeah and so all along but when she is in incarcerated pastor writes her don't be afraid of silence it is where god is most likely to be heard and because she mm -hmm. was arrested and put in you know she does re reunite with god which is great that's like there was a lot of favorite scenes in the book, but I have another quote from the pastor that I really liked. And he said, uh, sometimes showing grace breaks us before it heals us. Ooh. Forgiveness can feel like a betrayal of justice. And I was thinking, you know, I never thought about that, but I could see how forgiveness for someone with the, you know, like the Myers Briggs mm -hmm. with the J, the justice thing, I could see how that would, that could feel like a betrayal of justice how so forgiveness with someone that and the marriage Brit, you know justice is part of who they are i could see how that would be harder for them you know yes that's right and uh finally anika uh i thought it was anita but i think it had a k in her name but anika says she has one on forgiveness forgiveness brings us together withholding it keeps us apart mm. and that kind of sums up their relationship but yes. i mean and another thing I learned throughout her, because um, she writes the pastor so she can borrow some books and during all this, she discovers that uh, Martin Luther hated Jews and he wanted to burn their synagogues and expel them from Germany. I never knew that. I didn't either. Yeah. I was like, what? And it was funny because a German POW told Joe that and she's basically like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I don't think that's true. So she's researching and then she's like, what? Well, they said that so, some of Luther was quoted on Nazi propaganda, which they didn't call it propaganda, but they used him. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I, I, I'm shocked. But that's why, you know, I love historical fiction, because although the story may not be real, but a lot of times the facts are. Yes. And you you learn a lot. And it and in there, um, there is we meet this guy and his name is Dr. Howard Hong. Uh, and he is with the YMCA, which I didn't know that they even did this, but he tries to help Joe to provide um, productive pastime for the guys. And I liked his quote. He said, men think that it is impossible for human beings to love his enemies, for enemies are hardly able to endure the sight of one another. Well, then shut your eyes. Your enemy looks just like your neighbor. And he said that was a quote from Kierkegaard's uh, Works of Love. So I, I was just like, uh, and that guy tried to help her. You know, she she's not afraid to ask for anything. Yes. You know, she asked for help. But she said somewhere she dedicated this book to her mom and dad because in this book, this is the most... Um, uh, what, what do you want to say? Even keeled parents, very supportive, very stable yeah. parents, and which is unusual for a book. Mm -hmm. And she said, this may be the only book I read, <laughs> I write that has that. So she wanted to de dedicate this to them. 
But I thought... Uh, hmm. I also liked... Um, and this made me totally think of you. I'm like, Joe did remind me of you. But So, for a while, every letter to Peter, she starts with the German idioms. I wrote them because, down. I, I okay, tell them. us. Let's go through those. I thought that was cool. Well, one of them in the literal German was clear as dumpling broth. And that would go with ours as clear as mud so that one was pretty easy i liked it mm-hmm. and the other one is um to add one's mustard is our goes with our put in your two cents but i think it's so funny because on the page where that was to add one's mustard they were talking about how to improve the camp and she said there had been enough mustard added to do every hot dog in Fenway Park (laughs) so I just think that to add one's mustard is kind of cool yeah that is really cool and to howl along with the wolves and uh, that was when she had asked someone how were you so how did they get all these people in the Nazi movement and they use that idiom and it means to do as those around you are doing so what do we say to that? Um, to do as those around you are doing. Like an idiom that goes yeah. with that? Mm-hmm. I didn't have one for that one. but Like if you jump off a bridge, would, or so, that, I guess, yeah. I don't know. That's not really an idiom, though. Join the uh, crowd, but that's not an idiom. That, I mean, you are literally joining the crowd, but I don't know. Yeah. There probably is one. And this yeah. one? Look, let us know if you think of one. <laughs> yeah. Send us one. Where the fox and rabbit say goodnight. And uh, that means middle of nowhere. And I, w- I read these to the ladies that came for the tea party <laughs> out to Lipscomb. And I said, Lipscomb is where the fox and rabbit say goodnight. Because we are in the middle of nowhere. And they said they loved it. They, yeah, they loved all the idioms. Even in uh, this one, uh, a lot of people thought this was good. The, the fish begins to stink at the head. Which means the source of trouble is often at the top. That was my favorite because I'm like, yep, uh, I, I could get, I could get behind that one. So that makes a lot of sense to me. And this one was pretty easy to figure out. Uh, it's pretty brutal though. If you give him your finger, he'll take your hand. But mm-hmm. it, it, we say if you give someone an inch, they take a yard. But this, the literal meaning was someone who takes advantage of kindness. Yes, but that made me think of Barney Five because he said, "If you give them forty, they take forty-five. If you give them forty-five, they take fifty. That's on Andy Griffith." Yes, <laughs> and you kind of explained this one to me because I asked you about it. You can take poison on that, which means you can be completely sure. I said that's a gruesome, that's a pretty gruesome idiom. Yes, and it you is. said, "Well, we have one. It's go to the bank. You can you bank. can take that to the bank." Yeah, and I said, "I like that one better." Yeah. And then the last one was he always asks for extra sausage, which means he expects special treatment or privileges. So I really like <laughs> the food ones, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, let me add my mustard on that. And then, yeah, he always asks for extra sausage. So I just thought, though, she did that at first. And he kind of, because uh, he's a word nerd like she is. He knows different languages. She knows different languages. And, um, uh, I think uh, you can tell, the reader can tell that he really likes her uh, and she just is, uh, he's a friend. If you read between the yes. lines, you, you see that changing, but I don't know that she ever saw it changing. Well, she keeps, she just kind of has some walls up because of some issues that she's gone through. And so um, she, she keeps people at arm's length. She really does. And so 
but it's I love how the story works through that and you see her transformation in certain areas and it it's just such a great read so we highly recommend it well and as I said she evolves because near the end and this is like on page 299 and it only it's, it's like 397 uh, but she says she would she starts her letter with I would send you a whole crate of hamburgers if I could and there had been letters before that she'd written all about herself I mean it's yes. all about her and then at the end, she might add something. But here she's starting with talking about him because mm-hmm. he was an instructor, but then he goes into the military. Mm-hmm. And, and gets sent overseas. Yeah. And um, he is missing in action. And, uh, of course, everybody knows that she writes him and they can tell he has a Japanese surname. And so uh, they... They think he's a spy. Yeah. And so it, then that's even more ammo against her and i and i loved and and so one person we haven't talked about was cornelia and it it is she's a cool lady her husband has died so she still always wears a black dress but she wears these wild and crazy hats and she had a gathering at her house where everybody played monopoly and she said that her husband and her played that every night which i thought that was so sweet because one of the monopoly games was worn out and one was brand new and she invented I mean, she it kind of invented this idea to get people together. And, and you had said, I think she chose those people well. You know, she, she yes. wanted them to get together. She's trying to bring Joe out of her, I don't know, it's not a shell exactly. She's not shy. She's but not, she's, she's, not, she's not open for others either. She's not emotionally available. Yes. So she's very guarded and very prickly. And then she says at one time, Cornelia said, finally, a word of completely unsolicited advice. I don't imagine you encounter any other kind. That's cracks me up. Because <laughs> she is so confident, Joe is, so sure of herself. Her goal is to go to college. She wants to get this degree in all these languages. And she wants to go to England and uh, translate books like uh, Count of Monte Cristo translated mm-hmm. or all these classics. Uh, and that's her goal and everything. And then Peter throws something at her, say like, maybe you could do something useful now. Like a human humanitarian effort or something. Yeah. Would she, and then uh, at one time, Cornelia said, be careful to choose the better dream, not the bigger dream. That's a great quote. Yes. Yeah. I have a little, I mean, I, and she she shows up, she's a sense of, she's positive. And then every time there's a lull, you get another letter in the newspaper blasting Joe or blasting the camp and all that um, and saying negative things, you know. Oh, I did have some, Joe did write the newspaper and she said, as I see it, no one should be able to sling mud from a dark and shadowed corner. And because they're all anonymous. And so I was like, that's interesting because that's what the internet has created. People can sling mud from a dark and shadow court because most of the time they don't use their real name on sometimes on those things. You know, you can. Good connection, sis. Good job. I I agree with her. I don't think you should be able to do that. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to sling mud, then you need to have your name on it. So. And Brady didn't agree with her because he said, I'm going to print whatever I needed you know, whenever I need to get this circulation up, but he does change his mind later on, but all through mm-hmm. the book, he, he puts those out. And at one time they uh, broke 
they broke the prisoner writing a letter and they had one of the guards writing it. And you just fall in love with, I think his name's Christopher Wright. And in part of his, it says, um, not, and he, he has a little bit of a limp and it says not the work I thought I'd be doing, but in basic training, they told us that being a soldier isn't about heroics. It's about following orders and orders sent me here, which makes me think, these German fellows were doing the same, only for a different country. It's right for us to keep them here, away from the fighting, but it's not right to treat them badly. And then at the end, he goes on in his letter. It's just so sweet. And then at the end, it says, um, I wonder, as they fall asleep in this little American town, do they still think they'll win? Anyone who doesn't believe the rumors that Germany is being pushed out of France for goodwill for good, we'll find out the truth soon. But what they think of America when they go back, when they go back home is up to us. That was good. Yeah. yeah. That's really good. Cause that's, that's all you can do, you know? Yeah. And he, and I like, that's why I like the letter form, which I didn't, you know, I struggled at first, but you really get the feel for the characters from the inside uh, out. You know what I'm saying? Like you, like his voice, you heard his voice. Yes. We don't really know exactly what he looks like and all, you know, but you heard, okay, that's the most important part is their voice and what they have to say. And like you, that's what you get through the letters. And he says, I'll tell you straight out. Like you said, we never knew he had a limp until this. I'll tell you straight out. I've got a limp from stepping in a bear trap in Wisconsin woods. Not a bad one, just enough to see me sent here out of the way. All of us are doing the best we can with the job we drew. We don't need thanks or a street parade or daily deliveries of warm frosted cinnamon rolls, but we do ask for your respect and for decency toward the men we guard. Man, I said, how could you not like someone like that? And then someone brought him cinnamon rolls. (laughs) I'm like, okay, how cool is that? Well done. That's a subliminal messaging that works. You got to love him. And because in real life, he does not say, he hadn't said like two words to Joe. He says nothing mm-hmm. to her, like, uh, you know. So you feel like he's not very confident. And she's a self-assured woman. And he's like, well, I have a limp. I'm sent here. But to me, he's playing the hand he's dealt. And he's doing yes. a, a doggone good job at it. Way to go, Christopher Wright. And good job that the newspaper, which they're printing that because people are curious what's going on in the camp because they don't really know. So people actually, you know... It, it serves dual purposes. I think it does help to humanize the POWs and the guards and, and kind of what's going on. And then, uh, you know, it helps his newspaper, the, I think Brady was his name, but I thought it was interesting too. I think there is a pivotal point because he is a bachelor and he, he has his, his goal set and nothing's going to get in the way of that and everything. And at one letter, it's kind of a heated letter. They go back and forth on some heated letters and uh he's basically saying we're the same like joe like you and me or we're the same you know uh we want to get out of this hick town basically and mm-hmm. da 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 and i think that was a pivotal letter for her because i think it opened her eyes to be like i don't want to be like him like yes i am i have i am on the path to becoming more and more like him if i keep doing what i'm doing oh that's good you know powerful so i think that was i mean i think that was an important turning point for her to be like I need to let people in. I'm keeping people out, you know? Yeah, because on page 23 at the beginning of the book, she said in a letter to Peter, real life is dreadfully tedious. 
the way it interrupts reading. <laughs> uh, and, and she's reading books in different languages. But I mean, and there was another point. Um, I think this was Cornelia. I love this. The difference between Abraham and Jonah Jonah uh, is one is running towards something and the other was just running. Yes. Wasn't that good? And I think she grabbed onto that because she had kind of just been running, Mm -hmm. running away. And so I think when you're running towards something, that's a, that shift is very powerful. So there's just so much meat in, in the book. And then major Davies has this real fancy Nancy wife and prancy, and she wants to impress Joe, but I think Joe is unimpressed and um, she can hardly stand her and all this. But you can tell Major Davies loves his wife and, uh, he can, and, and his wife hates Ironside. She hates it. So, but there's some, it's, really, pre- it's provincial. Yeah. Very provincial. And yeah, here's that quote from Peter that he used and his grandmother quoted it. We can do anything we must, how we do it is up to us that's good i love that yeah from his grandma that's so good. Uh, and they call that a baba i mean that's what how you say it but i just wrote a i mean i underlined so many things because i thought wow that but i love the letters uh, of course i'm nosy reading someone's mail is fun well i love them now and so I'm, I, it is very different but i think you'll love it too you should give it a try then that is going to be a wrap on the things we didn't say by Amy Glenn Green. And we are so thankful that you stopped by today for a cup of tea or coffee for a listen. And we look forward to reading with you next week. Keep those book lights burning and those pages turning. Readers, farewell. <laughs>